Hey there. What follows is a conversation with Michael at Fusionly, a client of mine. We've been working together for a couple of months and we talk a bit about marketing automation and marketing automation and uh, doing outreach and personalized outreach to, uh, to clients. And we talk about the different uh, aspects of LinkedIn and um, direct mail marketing as well. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Michael from Fusionly. Thank you. Hi, Michael. So can you give us a quick intro of yourself? Welcome to the MVP Engineer Podcast. We're here live. I'm in Florida, and I believe you're in Canada. So give us a quick intro of uh, who you are, what you're working on. Love to hear some more. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for uh, for having me on on uh, this podcast. Uh, name is Michael Kautz, uh, founder and CEO of uh, Fusion Leads. Um, what we've done is uh, you know, consolidated uh, you know, sales outreach and uh, personalizing um, the, the sales uh, outreach strategy for uh, sales team that are um, any rate, ranging from one to five employees, so a relatively small sales team. Um, that can leverage you know, the platform for uh, radically scaling their outreach, you know, through LinkedIn automation, email, and uh, and much much more. And uh, yes, I'm calling from you know the White North, uh, specifically in a small town called Kingston, which is halfway between uh, Toronto and Ottawa. Awesome, that's great. Yeah, I know uh, we've been talking a lot about LinkedIn automation and uh, figure out how to do it at scale. So. You know, we can think about different size companies, right? Like we can sell to enterprises and we can sell to one enterprise and, and fund ourselves for a year, right? Or we could go to the one to five size sales teams and sell to a hundred of them or a thousand of them, right? Because there's so many more of them, right? So we want to specialize in the size of company that we're selling to and the type of sales that we're doing and then automate for the LinkedIn outreach. I know we've talked again about a lot of LinkedIn outreach um, I've done some outreach with some VAs, some virtual assistants, and, uh, more than twice I've gotten messages from LinkedIn that says you're locked out. You're not allowed to use LinkedIn anymore. You're locked out until tomorrow at 9am. Don't come on. You can't come on. You're using an automation tool. So I send them a message. I send them a message on their support network. And I say, I haven't used an automation tool. I used a virtual assistant please reactivate my account. And thankfully they do reactivate the account. But my point is they are very sensitive to mass messaging and specifically to bots and automation tools and um, computers trying to send messages. So they're cracking down on these automation tools. How do we, how do we fix that? How do we, how do we, how do we make that happen? How do we send mass marketing without getting, crushed by the LinkedIn algorithm. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're, uh, you're absolutely right. It's, uh, I've had my, my fair share of learning experiences over, over the years and yeah, I mean, LinkedIn's you know, Microsoft's algorithm is, is quite, quite incredible, you know, in, in detecting whether you're using automation tool, uh, or any other type of uh, external third-party um, unverified tool. Um, LinkedIn, of course, do, you know, does have a, a verification and, and you know, kind of uh, filtering policies in which you, know, uh, you can integrate some tools. But the main goal for LinkedIn is to build authentic relationships and grow your network authentically. And even using a VA to manage your account is also uh, 
it, though they won't strike your account with a penalty, it is within their policies that you know you cannot have a, a VA behind the scenes. But to be to be a business owner growing and scaling a company or a sales team, we have to find ways to be creative to to expand that outreach, right? And LinkedIn automation is, is nothing new. Um, LinkedIn email automation just for additional touch points has been around for, um, I mean, at least you know, 2014 when it was starting to hit some, um, you know, some, some momentum. But the challenge is, which I'm sure many of your listeners uh, will probably have seen, are, are the just the same messages that you see time and time again. Uh, hey, Michael, just looking to build my network or, hey, I saw that we have some things in common. Just there's no rapport. Like, I don't know who you are. More often than not, it's a bait and switch, right? Where, ah, I'm just looking to find, I'm just connect, or just looking to connect. And then they hit you up uh, a day later. Oh, here's my pitch and just sell you. It's like, well, you, you just ruined that trust. I'm never going to speak to you again. You know, maybe even unfollow or, you know, lose, lose you as a connection. Um, but how, how, are, how, how best to manage your, your, your profile is, you know, ensuring, ensuring the tooling that you have are, you know, it's, it's used as a, it's built on a cloud instead of a Chrome extension. You know, you're, you're setting up your IP addresses appropriately as well. Um, some automation tools haven't quite figured out the whole IP address and ensuring that, you know, when you're sending out the messages that it, it's coming from that IP address. And sometimes we might make a mistake and log in with our phone you know, that might not have a separate IP or even a VPN uh, set up and it actually could get flagged, you know, even though you're, you're still doing things right, but you could be in a different country. And so they're, they're, they're tracking, right? I mean, they're, they're tracking, uh, LinkedIn is tracking where you're logging in from, uh, how many requests that you're sending in a day. And, you know, the, the, the biggest thing we had to go about, to, you know, building the platform is ensuring that uh, we are mimicking human behavior as much as possible and doing, you know, the LinkedIn outreach. And furthermore, how to personalize each and every single message to that individual so it doesn't come across as spam or bot. It comes across as authentic. And that's really the key value proposition. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, we want to come across as human, but we want to be human, right? We want to actually be authentic. We want to say something relevant to these people, mm. to the people we're selling to. And yeah, so can you speak a little bit more on that? How do I how do I only say relevant things, right? Like it's such a, it's such a moving target, right? Each client, each potential sales lead, I don't know where they are today, right? Like how do we, how do we pinpoint what they're thinking about so that I can say something, only say things that are relevant to them? Great question. It comes to, down to, you know, it, sales 101 before, before contacting any prospect, um, any lead is you're you're doing your research, right? You want to do your you know conduct your research, understand any particular pain points, uh, understand you know the business that you're that you're also you're you're reaching out to or the individual. It's crafting the message, crafting the sales pitch based on your business and your value proposition, and positioning it in front in front of that prospective you know customer, right? Right in front of that lead. All the while understanding their you know their potential pain points and uncovering that. It's hard to uncover those pain points without having that initial triage or discovery call. However, with the internet, we all leave breadcrumbs, right? We all leave little bits of information that, you know, that can be used as an icebreaker, that can be used as a, as a data point for us to, uh, to merge all of these other various data points, which, 
be Twitter, LinkedIn itself, uh, could be podcasts, it could be PR Newswire or other PR uh, media sites. It could be virtually anything that is on the internet that is left behind from, from us and our movements uh, on online, Facebook, Instagram, right? Any social media platform. And so be, by triangulating the information, by, by, by obtaining the, the, the information, you know, we're able to triangulate a personalized message that is fit to that specific individual and Thanks to AI, you know, we've been able to, to achieve that. But it's ensuring, and through our expert systems and our you know, proprietary methods, is you know, to, to, to come across as authentic and not just you know, potentially an AI-generated script. Um, and so it's creating the most authentic and personalized um, introductory line, value proposition statement, whatever that is, by scraping you know, tons of data that's 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 out on the internet and bringing that together and you know sending sending that message sending that friendly message like hey i heard you on a, i heard you on this great podcast mvp engineer you know you're talking about problem solving uh on a particular you know issue well i'd love to talk to you more about that yeah for sure i think that makes a lot of sense um you mentioned you know just sending a generic ai message and just just sending something that was, you know, generated by some random AI, right? Um, I think it's important to note, from my perspective, I've been studying technology for many years. Um, from my perspective, the AIs are better than the humans now. In a lot of ways, it's just better. You know, I, I use this example a number of times, but uh, I've studied Python pretty deeply in my life, um, and uh, I have a I would say an expert understanding of, of, of the language and the different, the different keywords. And I, I asked ChatGPT to explain to me the yield keyword, the yield keyword, which is a relatively advanced topic. It creates generators um, uh, so that the, the list doesn't hold a lot of memory in, in, uh, in, in memory. Um, and I asked ChatGPT to, to explain what does it do. And it gave the most lucid explanation I've heard in my life. I've read dozens of blogs on what it means. I've read dozens of human accounts and, and experienced it firsthand. I've used it, right? And when I asked ChatGPT, he gave me two paragraphs of the best explanation I've ever heard in my life. And I said, if that was written by Jeff Dean at Google, it was it's better than what he wrote. It was just better. So the point is this AI tooling is there. Like we can use it if we're using it properly, we're going to get a better result than we will if we hire the best sales guy in the world, right? It's just going to be better. And, exactly. Uh, yeah, and I think I think what a lot of people look to is the Turing test. Alan Turing in the '50s wrote a paper on how we'll know when when we when we've created an AI that's sufficiently smarter than us, and that's to say it's impersonated a human without detection, right? And for me, the Turing test is just not relevant, who cares? I don't care if I can, can not be detected in some general language chat bot, who cares? What I care is, do I get the result I need? Did you teach me something accurate about the yield keyword? Did you make a sale? That's all I care about. Did I make some money at the end of the day? That's what I care about. So yeah, just some thoughts about the AI stuff. Um, you mentioned your client's pain points. If you're, if you're selling to a potential prospect, 
what are their pain points? And we mentioned something before that uh, we don't just care about what our clients' pain points are, but we care about our clients' clients' pain points. Right? Mm-hmm. We're gonna get a little bit meta about this. And we're gonna say, I'm a software company. I sell MVPs to people and I'm gonna sell my MVP to a marketing agency. So what does the marketing agency's clients need? Because ultimately I'm building for them, right? I'm not building, I'm not building software for, for my client to go sit in a, sit in a dark room and, and, and run the software for himself. I'm building for his clients. So can you talk to me a little bit about what does it mean to research your client's clients? How do I understand not just my client's pain points, but my client's client's pain points? How do I, how do I go about that? Well, that's a fun, that's a fun brain exercise, um, considering that, you know, with, with our platform and we, we've, we've been able to leverage a lot of channel partners in that, in that regard. Um, well, the, the marketing agency, we've got consultants and, you just want, uh, you channel, channel partners for me. I don't know what that means. Sorry. Yeah. Channel partner. So a channel partner, um, would be classified, you know, it's, it's essentially an extension of your extension of your company in which. You know that that it's a it's a strategic strategic partnership, and that partner would uh, advocate for for your product or or your service. And so, um, in this instance, we'd be working with another marketing agency for you know you know um, you know LinkedIn outreach, right, and sales prospecting, and some of the agency's clients that are um, coaches. Right and course creators, you know, they're built on Kajabi or UScreen. They're creating these courses, and so they're trying to reach out to um, other lawyers or doctors or um, orthodontic um, uh, uh, practices, and uh, so they needed a creative way to get in front of of their of their of their uh, of their customers um, in parallel or in tandem with their existing marketing strategy. So. Now, so the channel partner, um, we really work hand in hand to help identify those pain points and solve those pain points. And so it really complements marketing agencies because you know they they use digital means uh, for the most part to to work with their clients, right? Uh, digital marketing campaigns uh, to help fill the funnel. But there's other additional uh, strategies for for outreach that marketing agencies um, may not have um, have a specialty in, right? In some instances, you know, let's call this lead generation for argument's sake. And so they have a digital strategy to try to fill the top of the funnel. And we can either, you know, we can then use you know, LinkedIn sales navigator to identify who those decision makers are within that segmentation that they're targeting on, you know, for their digital ads. And so as the campaigns are going out, we are able to do the outreach on, on LinkedIn and email and by other means to get the, the 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 message right to get the value proposition in front of the in front of their their their, their customers right their customers customers um, and so by facilitating relationships through these channel partners it um, extends our our reach right they are referring business to us and so whether it's a, as, a, as a reseller or as an affiliate um, we prefer kind of an affiliate partnership um, that way it's just it's, it's more of a conversation it gives us it gets us closer to their their customers even though they act as you know as, as the middle person um, because it is their their clients we're just you know providing that service um, to help us radically grow and scale 
um, as we're limited to our own our own sales team. Uh, by leveraging channel partners, you then further extend you know extend your uh, your reach out. Um, an example for MVP engineer would be here in Canada. We have a lot of innovation centers, a lot of early stage companies that may not have a technical founder, um, such as myself. And so they could be a potential channel partner in which, you know, yeah, you would be able to uh, attract new business, right? Early stage companies got 50, 100,000 and they need to develop a product. And so uh, channel nice. partners are, are incredible. Yeah, that makes, that makes sense. I, I like, I like that word channel partner. I think it, I think that, uh, fits well um and yeah innovation centers vcs um maybe startup boot camps or fundraising contests are all great channel partners right can you can you give an example of a client a client's client so when you're selling when you're selling your service to people that want marketing uh tell me about what you think about when it comes to the people that are paying them, how do you, how do you dive into their needs and kind of get in their heads so that you can, uh, demonstrate to your clients that you understand their needs? How do you, how do you go about that? Can you tell me what you think about when it comes to that? Yeah. So we really do rely, uh, in that instance, you know, our, our customers and their, and their customers, um, we really lean into those channel partners, as mentioned, um, their deep knowledge and understanding of their own clients. And so standard intake form, you know, but the, our channel partner would actually fill out that, that intake form, um, as most, most, most challenges with founders is that sometimes we think that potential, you know, our, our customers or our ICP, um, our customer profile have specific pain points, but it's not until you, you know, subjectively have a look at it for as an outsider, look into, you know, look into the business and say, it's like, well, maybe, maybe, maybe those aren't what the customers want. Maybe that, that isn't what their pain points are. And so uh, we find it effective to work with um, those channel partners to relay the information over to us. And um, so in that instance, we rely heavily on, on our channel partners to further, you know, uh, uncover what those particular pain points are and then craft the messaging and the outreach and, um, and the, and the outbound think, from there. So I think what I'm hearing is, let's say I'm selling to an entrepreneur in Canada, right? And I go to a channel partner, some kind of innovation fund, right? And then I would think of them as kind of one level above the client and then you have the client and you have users of the client as one level below. And you're saying you reach out to the, the channel partner to say, you're closer to the client than me, so you can understand the users better than me. So channel partner, you help me craft the message to the clients so that I can sell them properly and be authentic and understand their needs so that I can give them the value that I'm providing. Is that kind of what you're doing? Yeah. Yeah, pre yeah, precisely. Yeah, precisely. And uh, through through that input, right? Uh, through that input provided by the channel partner, um, and even when we're working working directly with the clients, I mean, it's still still more or less the same formula. We just need to ensure that we have you know the appropriate inputs, you know, for um, for the scripts to you know, to be generated, um, you know, through through AI and our and our expert systems. Um, you know, insert what that value proposition is or what that particular pain point is. And then, you know, and then we go and find, find that breadcrumb on the internet uh, to, you know, to find that icebreaker, 
right? Uh, by by scraping various uh, various uh, data points and and, uh, and websites, and then and then from there it helps it helps triangulate what that message will be and craft it on that one to one basis. But you know whether it's you know, the call to action will be pretty consistent. And the value proposition would be it's like okay, well we're solving X pain point for Y uh, customer audience, and then and then pull pull all the data points together to come up with that crafted message. Sure. So we talked a little bit about uh, personalizing outreach messages, personalizing touch points from something that they discussed on their own on the internet in the last 14 days or two weeks or you know whatever whatever amount of time we want to go back. And you're referring to these as breadcrumbs. I think that's a good way to think about it. You know, as we walk along, as we make, as we move move in the in the in the virtual space, we leave we leave behind tra a trail, right? And we want to see those things and then understand, are they, do they like whole wheat bread or do they like white bread? Right. And then uh, and sell, them, sell them more of what they need. Right. Or maybe give them an upgrade. Right. So, uh, <laughs> exactly. Talk to me a little bit about how do we go from a breadcrumb to a sales pitch? Cause we have to marry what they're eating, you know, with what, with what we're baking, right? We have to, we have to bring those two things together so that, uh, it's relevant and authentic and, and most importantly relevant, right? How do we, how do we, how do we make that relevant to them? Well, that's a great question. Maybe I should ask, uh, you know, the, uh, my, my my CTO or my, my MVP engineer, that's, uh, yeah. that's, that's creating the product. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely a tough question, right? Like we're trying to we're trying to outsource that out to to an artificial intelligence or or maybe or maybe someone that's that knows this better, right? But we're taking the tweets and we're saying what are they talking about and yeah. trying to glean some information and try and say, hey, what what do they care about? What do their clients care about? What is their channel partner? And how do we how do we marry our services to them, right? Everybody needs more customers. So of course they're going to need some marketing help, right? Yeah, and and, and a great example, um, a, a great example that we're working with right now would be um, so companies that have recently raised uh, a Series A, um, or even or even a or even a seed, because I mean a seed and a Series A in Canada are completely different than the U.S. Uh, so a Series A in Canada, maybe a seed series in in the U.S. Depending on depending on the industry of the company, there's going to need to be some cybersecurity, um, SecOp type of compliance and regulation, right? Especially when it comes to say uh, fintech, you need to be PCI compliant, right? Personal credit card information, um, you know, you need you need to be protected, you know, before you even get into fintech or even considering yourself getting into fintech. So, with a, a new a, a new startup that was recently raised, uh, you know, um, a two, five, ten million dollar raise, regardless of a seed or a Series A. They're going to need to have some some level of, of cybersecurity and, and compliance, right? To meet, you know, to meet with the regulators, um, and just for our own our own you know sense of, of well being and, and security. So a crafted message would be, you know, um, hey company company A, we just saw that you recently raised uh, you know, ten million dollars from venture capital funds X Y Z or X Y Z, and we've seen that they've done a number of deals in that particular industry congratulations well um 
you if you're in the space, you obviously know that you need to be compliant and and then go into the spiel of you need cybersecurity, right? You you need it. It's going to be on your radar. You already know about it. So let's 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 have a let's have a conversation and insert the value proposition and what makes you know you a better cybersecurity company than you know the next person. But um, that's that's a really great example. Um, you're just being able to you know pull that pull that data. I mean, really, that one's just from Crunchbase. It's a very simple formula for that one, but it's very effective. You know, because these early stage companies, when they get VC fund, they have really aggressive milestones to achieve. Yeah. And, and they become targets once they once they're on the radar yeah. of uh, once once they've raised ten million dollars. Hey, there's something to steal. Exactly, so they're going to be cybersecurity targets, right? So something else that we've spoken about is uh, the most exciting thing to me to, that we've been working on is uh, the bulk bulk personalization for physical objects for mm-hmm. direct mail, not only direct mail of letters and kind of yeah, letters in the mail, but also potentially physical objects, gifts, right? Um, tell me a little bit about some of the ideas that you had there. I thought that was such a such an innovative, thoughtful thing to do. And uh, yeah, I want to throw it over to you. Yeah, this is really exciting. Um, so over the last several months, we had a very simple, Fusion Leaks has been a really simple um sales outreach enablement platform in which you know, we use LinkedIn, email, uh, ringless voicemail drops and, uh, and direct mail, right? Good old snail mail and, and personalizing, uh, with the exception of, of, of the voicemail, uh, personalizing the, you know, the messaging tailored to the, uh, you know, the individual and, and, the, and the company. Uh, and through that and through conversations with MVP engineer, uh, we discovered an even more empowering, um, potential when it comes to direct mail, and that is personalizing physical goods. What is incredible about that is being able to say, discover that, okay, you're born in April um, or end of, end of, uh, end of March, um, early April. So you're in Aries. Well, what if you were to receive, you know, in a, a pair of socks with the Aries horoscope, right? Um, or some other astrological, you know, symbols that are on it. Because some tweet you indicated that, oh, really neat of what SpaceX is doing, or you know, the next frontier, next industry, trillion dollar industry. You had some interest on on Twitter that you were talking about, you know, space. And so, trying to merge those two together, send a pair of socks, and it is an incredible icebreaker. Because when you when you receive a gift, you want to reciprocate and you know respond to the the inquiry. And so, from a B two B perspective. And the direct mail has worked exceptionally well, right? The response rates have been really, really well. Taking it a step higher. Um, okay, salts, you love to cook. Well, here's a selection of four different salts from service from around the world, you know, and that's part of the messaging. You know, hey, first name, see that you are you, you, you love to cook. You know, you're sharing your love and passion on, on you know, on Twitter. Um, I followed it. And we can also do some pre-engagement and social warming and actually like those posts prior to even sending sending that gift. But once I receive that gift, having this follow up. I know what social warming is because we've spoken, but maybe maybe share just a little bit more of what that term means. Sure. So social warming um, or lead priming would be let's go with yeah, social warming or social selling uh, is defined as, you know, we're we're engaging with the individual, right? We're engaging with accounts online 
um, prior to asking for that, you know, asking for that cell. And so social warming would consist of, uh, I would be actively engaged on your Twitter, your LinkedIn, and, you know, on, on, on Slack channels or any other kind of community and getting my name, my face, uh, in front of you. And that builds, builds rapport, builds subconscious rapport. And if there's a long duration of even conversation, and we're doing this really lightly where it's liking a post, commenting a post, resharing, retweeting, we're doing all of these activities. And then when we sent an email, make a phone call, send a connection request, uh, the response rate increases because they've already been introduced to who we are. And that's- Would it be, yeah. would it be fair to say you wanna be a fan before you wanna be a partner? Ooh, I like that. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to use that. <laughs> I don't know. Everybody's everybody knows it now, but no. I mean, that's what yeah. you're talking about, right? Like you're talking about engaging yeah. from a fan perspective and just liking and commenting and saying, "Hey, I thought this was great." And then you say, "Oh, by the way, I also have a service that you might want to buy." Exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I mean, we've talked about this before, so I didn't react when you said it. But I think the, the horoscope socks is such an interesting idea, right? Like, you know that they're maybe interested in astrology or maybe just interested in space, right? Like you said, they, they, they follow SpaceX or, or something. There's some indication of that interest. And then, uh, and then you also have the pretty simple and straightforward task of determining when their birthday is, right? Mm -hmm. They said, happy birthday on LinkedIn. They said, happy birthday on Facebook. Um, somebody said, hey, you know, I just got my free Chipotle burrito for, uh, for my birthday, you know, whatever it is, right. You can figure that out and then you can marry that to the interest of the horoscope. And then, you know, everybody needs socks. Most people don't live in, in Florida, but, um, but everybody needs socks, right? So it's just, and, and when I looked up the price, we, we you know, we looked this up in Etsy and I believe it was 12, 13 bucks and you know, 12 bucks plus shipping and you have a devoted fan. You went from fan to they're your fan, right? If somebody sends me a pair of socks with my horoscope on it, I'm going to love you for life, right? Yep. So, and, and maybe it'll convert at what, 40%? And if it converts at 40% for $12, <laughs> you know? Oh I, yeah. I've bought leads on LinkedIn. I've, I've paid for advertisements on LinkedIn. And, and sometimes the leads are $23. And I said, why are they so expensive? And they're like, well, they're so qualified and they're so great. And I said, I bought 12 leads from you for $23 each and zero converted. So how can you possibly tell me that they're high quality, right? Like we're looking to maximize our impact with our dollars, right? And if we throw a little bit of software and artificial intelligence at figuring out these different quirky little things about people and understanding it and then sending them something thoughtful. It doesn't have to be expensive. It's just look how much thought we put into this, right? Mm -hmm. We watch you a pair of socks and, and we threw your, we threw your horoscope on it, or we, we identified you as a, as somebody who, who likes to experiment in the kitchen. So we got you Himalayan salts as well as Ecuadorian salts. Like they're just from all over the place. And we don't have to know that much about you. We just have to know, Hey, he tried out a new recipe in the last six months. And of course they're going to love that. That's what 35 bucks. And you know, it's just, it's just such a thoughtful, interesting thing. And it's memorable. 
And as long as you marry that back to your pitch and say, we were thinking about you, this is how we do our marketing. Why don't you jump in? Why don't you jump on our bandwagon and you do your marketing like this? We know these are your clients and we can sell to them. We know how to sell to them. So let's help you. How can we help you? Email me back and I'd love, I'd love to, I'd love to talk with you further. Right. So exactly. yeah, I love it. Um, I'll throw it back to you for some, for some final thoughts. It's, it, it's really in many ways, um, B to C business to consumer, um, software and technology companies one way or another, you know, already do this more so in an email fashion retargeting, you go to your favorite clothing store, buy online, and then all of a sudden you're being retargeted all of these, you know, products in which their algorithm thinks that you're going to want to buy and, you know, sell you at the right time. But what we're doing with B2B business to business is the, the, the real challenge is especially now, right? Cause we're such in a digital age, you know, for me, sales was door knocking, right? I mean, pre LinkedIn, right, you know, right out of college, LinkedIn was in its infancy. I mean, I didn't have it, but it was, it was door knocking and, and, and cold calling and networking events. Um, meetup.com was my friend and it was always building that relationship. And now with, you know, the digital age that we're in right now, it's becoming increasingly difficult to build net new relationships. It's even more difficult for a brand that no one has even heard of reach out to you and try to sell you on a pitch, seeing an ad say like SEO, you know, social media, it's really difficult for brands to build relationships with individuals, but from an individual to individual basis, you know, that's where the magic can happen, but it's sticking out from the crowd, whether it's through personalized, authentic messaging, or it's from physical goods that resonate with, with you. And you're going to want to reciprocate and think to the person like, well, that's very, very thoughtful, not ready to buy yet, but I am not going to forget who you are or who your company is. It builds meaningful relationships. And this is really just the start. Um, I think what's important for what we're building here is is how to bridge that gap of building meaningful business to business relationships. As the end of the day, as founders, we're, we always think that we have the anecdote to everybody's pains and that we have the solution for that. Um, and in most instances, yeah, we do. And so uh, there's a lot of value that can be created from that. For sure. Yeah. So uh, I'm really excited about, you know, getting after this with you and testing this out, seeing how specific we can get with people, how, how cheap we can be able to send this stuff out and how high we can get our conversion rate. Right. That's going to be the big, that's going to be the big indicator of success. So I'm really looking forward to that. And thank you for your time today. Uh, I appreciate all the, the interesting thoughts and sharing a little bit about your business and, and what we're, what we're going after, what we're building. So, uh, yeah. yeah, thank you for all that. That's, it's, it's been a fun ride and, and I'm looking to, I'm looking forward to climbing the mountain and, you know, having you there with me. Yeah. We haven't, uh, we haven't hit the halfway mark yet. So <laughs> no, no. Oh yes. Awesome. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. Um, but as always, you should stop listening to me and go build your fucking company.